Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to another episode of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Today's guest is Mark Bredner, and Mark's done a lot of work with the Australian team uh, in relation to uh, some strength and conditioning work, uh, some mindset training, uh, and Mark's going to talk a bit about that and how you can implement it into your own swimming and triathlon training to help you improve your performance. So, Mark, welcome to the call. Thanks, Brayton. Um, happy to be here. So what, um, what's your background working with the Australian team? You've done a lot of work with a lot of the elite swimmers there. Um, what sort of work have you done with them? Well, I started off with uh, Tracy Menzies when she took over as coach for Ian Thorpe and uh, the elite squad there. And that pretty much comprised the high-performance team there was Thorpey, Craig Stevens. Kai Hurst at the end, Jason Cram, Simon Cowley, Kirsten Thomason. Uh, I started off generally with their yoga programs and it kind of built over time. I worked with them for about four or five years before Athens Olympics. And uh, so, you know, I worked with the general flexibility. I worked with keeping their, their balance's body from repetitive movements of swimming. I uh, worked with keeping hot sort of systems, energy systems high and working with mindsets. I mean, in the end, it's uh, performing well, all to do with your mind. And what what sort of uh, exercises would you work on with the swimmers to balance them from the, the um, fatigue that they come under from training the same muscles day in, day out? Well, a lot of the movements in yoga, like if we're talking about freestyle and the butterfly stuff is all internal rotators, of your shoulders and when it's unchecked they get sort of shoulder impingement problems and neck problems and there's a lot of problems with the the psoas or hip flexors tightening through kicking especially for sprint swimmers and then leading to lower back problems so i pretty much target uh those those muscles because they they get tight and then start switching on the muscles uh that stop working in relation to that so it's just a balancing act you know essentially stretch the tight muscles strengthen the muscles that aren't working keep their joints mobilized keep their diaphragms freed up and you know in the end the best way that you swim is all about alignment and tone you know especially in the water it really loves when you the water really responds to having great alignment and uh and tone to um you know just the best energy efficient way through the water yeah, you can really notice it as a coach. You can see where swimmers are tight. Uh, their technique gets changed depending on you know what muscles are sore, what muscles are uh, restricted because of their you know, lack of flexibility. So I think that balancing the body uh, like that, especially for swimmers who are training seven, eight, nine, ten times a week, um, they really need to work on the opposing muscles to to keep themselves balanced because there's uh, you know you do see a lot of swimmers with uh, not so many these days, but you do see a lot of swimmers who uh, can be quite hunched over, particularly freestylers and butterflies, and doing the work to strengthen the, the back muscles to, to keep themselves with a good posture and alignment, it, it makes a big difference. And did you use uh, a lot of, was it mostly yoga or was it other exercises as well to, to work those muscles? I worked primarily yoga 
type exercises, so the posture type work. Um, like you mentioned, you know, a big thing is keeping the thoracic mobile. So, you know, the, the good swimmers have really mobile spines through their thoracic and hyperflexion of the shoulders. So with that rotation, the hyperflexion, they get a, a really good reach. And, uh, yeah, especially notice with the triathletes, with the locked-up thoracic um, because of their bike riding, you know, especially hunched over for long distances. And, and you do notice a big difference, um, especially, especially the older swimmers that have been doing it for a long time. Uh, they're, not, they're definitely not sufficient through the water. It's, it's a big, important part to mobilize the thoracic. And, you know, really good swimmers have, you know, five degrees sort of hyperflexion of their shoulders. And Thorpe had something like 15 degrees. So an amazing reach uh, and mobile thoracic. And when you combine the two together, you get that sort of glide pattern through the water, which is, you know, really important. Yeah, I had uh, Helen Walker on, who's a physio. She works with most systems that I coach. And she was talking about majority of the, the top swimmers, they've got great uh, flexibility through their shoulders. So if you're doing the... Um, the flexibility test of where the swimmer lies on the ground, they place their forehead and their nose on the ground, and then they put their hands out in front of them, lock their thumbs together, and they mm-hmm. they raise their hands up. Majority of the elite swimmers will get you know past twenty degrees, uh, between twenty and thirty degrees, and um, if you see that with sort of your everyday swimmer, um, a lot of them can't get past zero degrees. So I, I recommend like a, a streamline. Uh, streamline lat stretch against the wall to a lot of the swimmers I coach because just having the flexibility through the shoulders there makes a huge difference for how well you can catch the water and how um, how good a position you can get yourself in for the pool. Yeah, it's something you have to do uh, regularly, consistently. You know, foam rollers on the thoracic are, are a good thing to do uh, regularly. You know, the, you get the other problem too with um, the elite swimmers where they get hypermobile in their shoulders. So, for example, especially the butterflies, like their thoracic, because uh, they, they're doing that internal rotation, rotation with the shoulders um, but not rotating the spine because they're just going through that kind of sagittal plane. And so their thoracic gets locked up if they're not attending to that mobility. So, and it's really important to get the arms up over the head through the butterfly stroke. You need that extension of the spine. And when it's not there, then they just make their shoulders hypermobile, meaning uh, unstable. And over time, that wears out the joints. So you see people like Patria Thomas and Klimi and people like that having to go in for reg- regularly under the knife because they're, they're wearing out the joint because uh, the thoracic's not fully mobile. So what sort of exercises would you be doing with the foam roller to, to work your thoracic? I usually do it over six-week periods. So the first two weeks is like a long life where your butt is sitting on it and your head is on it. So you're laying it along the length of your spine. And then you lay on it five to 15 minutes pain-dependent. And the idea is that it's passive, passively releasing the muscles around the spine and ideally before bed because then you jump into bed without any axial loading and your nervous system picks up the new position. In the second two weeks, uh, I get them to do it, uh, turn the roller around so it's, it's sort of across the spine and do it at the, the tightest 
part of it and then laying back for one to three minutes with the head supported because most people won't get their head to the floor. Again, pain dependent, and that's kind of just breaking up and sort of to loosen that apex point. The thing is with the spine is you can release the internal rotators and get your you know mid and lower traps working and things like that, but the vertebrae are held together with ligaments, so you need a stronger impetus to let it to get it to start to release, and that's why you know we use the foam rollers. And then the last two weeks, we start at the bottom of the thoracic spine and then kind of do flat mm, crunches, for want of a better word, three or four times, move up to the next segment three or four times, up to the next segment three or four times, you know, until you can't go any higher. Mm-hmm. And it's just progressively starting to uh, segmentally um, free up the thoracic spine. You know, the other problem you'll get is when that's all blocked up, then either side of the spine will become hypermobile to compensate for the bit that's all uh, locked up. So in those hypermobile points is often where people will get, you know, inflammation and uh, and leading to injury in the end. Mm. And then after the six weeks, you'd go back to the beginning? Yeah, well, it depends. Um, I mean, it's a program that you can – it depends on someone's uh, – how consistently they're doing it and how, how much degree it's locked up. But you can just keep – going sort of that second and third two-week block and just keep working at, at getting it to mobilize and, and release. Mm. Obviously, you know, if, if the triathlon, triathlon people have to do it more, you know, especially if they're riding a lot and they're in that flex position of their spine, especially, you know, and they're, and they're holding tension through it when they're putting effort through their uh, riding sessions, they're going to have much more tendency to, uh, to have tightness through that area. And then with the mindset work that you did with the swimmers, what, what sort of things would you go through? Was it visualization? Was it goal setting? Uh, was it, you know, what, what sort of stuff were you doing with them? Well, essentially, you know, anyone that is, a, you know, world champion or Olympic gold medalist or elite swimmer has an incredible uh, single-pointed single focus I mean, especially swimmers, you know, they're doing five hours up and down a plaque line. I mean, man, it's, it's full on to have that, that focus point. And, you know, the best guys or the best people are the ones that are able to kind of keep that single focus and keep coming back to it over and over again, whether, you know, it be that they want to achieve their, their best time or they want to be the best in the world. And for me, it's just coming back to that over and over again. Like the, I'm never going to make them a, a better swimmer, but they have that potential in, in the background and when it's all there, they perform at their best. But oftentimes, you know, negative mindsets can come in and basically what happens is it sabotages all that higher order learning that they have through all that repetition that they've done. So I just, if that does come up, we kind of work with that and, and try to be aware of it, let it go and come back to, you know, the things that they know that work well. Yeah, that's, I, I like the point you made there is that, I mean, they've done the work, they've done the repetitions, they've you know, they've trained their body to the point where it needs to be for a competition, but the thing that can let them down is just that negative mindset. So let's say, uh, when would you see that come up? Is it two weeks out from a competition? Is it the day of? 
uh, or is it during training? Like, when do you sort of usually see those negative, um, uh, that negative thinking come out? It varies. And, you know, someone like, you know, Craig Stevens or Thorpey, you know, they've got an incredible pressure on them. They've got an incredible, uh, you know, weight of a nation on their shoulders to, to succeed and do well. So, um, you know, in, in of themselves, when they're doing it, it's fine, but sometimes that weighs uh, on them. And you just see it in the times, you see it in the, in the, you know, in the energy systems, it just becomes really low. And like, you know, I work with, uh, on the world surfing tour as well. And, you know, you'd see guys kind of kill it in free surfing. And then as soon as they got into competition, uh, they just, you know, they just never performed like they did in their free surfing. And, you know, the mindsets came in around having to perform and being the best and getting it right and, you know, all these sorts of things. And then they just tighten up. And once you tighten up, uh, you, you lose that alignment and tone in the water, you know, whatever it is. And and that's what we keep looking for. That's what Tracy and I would keep looking for. You know, they got that alignment and to, uh, tone. Is their energy flow through? Uh, working well through the, through the water, through their activities. Uh, you know, are they breaking down? What's their energy system like? And and again, it all comes back to to mindset in the end. So, what uh, what sort of things would you work through with them? Was it was it uh, very individual to the swimmer? Was it just chatting with them? Was it getting them to do uh, different exercises? Uh, what sort of things would you do with them? I would work. Okay, so I'd work with their, their body first, balancing that up, and then we'd work with their energy system. So in the energy system, we would do a lot of breath work, in, like in yoga, what we call pranayam. So having access to all the breathing muscles, so, you know, full movement of your diaphragm, of your rib cage, being able to isolate the diaphragm, use your accessory breathing muscles. We would use we, – we used a lot of pranayam actually in uh, lactate tests, um, you know, sometimes, you know, a swimmer would do a 200-meter race and they have to swim 2Ks to do a warm down to get all the lactate out of the system. So we basically got that down to uh, half, down to a K, and then we do some salute to the sun, some yoga uh, flowing movements, and then doing certain breathing techniques to bring their lactates down to the, to the same level. We'd also use breathing to calm down the, the nervous system. And then uh, what we would call you know, meditation, so learning to bring the mind back to what they know that they can do, what their potential is, be aware of the other stuff that's coming in and just kind of setting it aside and setting it aside over and over again. And, yeah, it is individual as well because, you know, different people deal with pressure in different ways. And uh, for some, they just thrive on it. For others, they just become a mess before a, a race, and you have to work, you know, a lot stronger with those mindsets. Yeah, some of the, I mean, some of the things you're talking about there is going through the breathing exercises, uh, some of the yoga movements. It, it, it might seem a little bit, uh, almost airy fairy to some people, but when you're at, you know, when you're at that level in sport, and you need to, um, you need to train yourself to be calm, be relaxed before a big race, and 
deal with the pressure of the pressure the pressure of a nation in some cases with Thorpey and Stevens and um, the pressure that you put on yourself. You really need to have your mind tuned in order to be able to to do that. And I think it's really important to bring that sort of stuff into it rather than just working on you know smashing yourself in training and and just doing the physical side of it, the mental side of it needs to be trained as well and and doing it with the breathing exercises and things like that is really important particularly for swimming i think yeah i mean there's no doubt that the best athletes in the world uh they stand out i mean they have the genetics they have the repetition repetition of movement they have everything in place but what separates uh you know third and fourth to to the world championship and breaking records and gold medals is the mindset. Uh, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Kelly Slater with, you know, 11 world titles. He, he knows he's going to win before he goes in, you know, Thorpey, when he was performing like that, he knew he was going to win before he started, you know, he always looked relaxed on the block and things like that. That those guys, they've already seen themselves win, you know, the, they, they've seen the end result. And the cool thing about the nervous system is, it doesn't differentiate between what's real and not real. I mean, if you see a result happening and you include all your senses as part of that, you know, smell it, taste it, see it, see the crowd cheering, the time, all that sort of stuff, then your nervous system gears you towards that end result. And those guys know it. It's like a Michael Jordan. You saw it with Tiger Woods before he lost that mindset and uh, and it all changed. But but those guys, you know, they, that's what separates them. Besides having, uh, you know, having the genetics and everything. Yeah, you, you look at Kelly Slater surf, and I'm I'm a big surfer. I, I love it. And I was watching the Quicksilver Pro, which was up on the uh, the Gold Coast uh, last weekend. I was watching the live stream of it yesterday, and you just watch the you watch the guys like Kelly Slater, and as soon as they're in the water, they just get into that sort of state where they're in tune with the waves. And I mean, you think about it, surfing. You don't know when the waves are going to come. You don't know exactly where they're going to break but the guys that are tuned into it put themselves in the right position to catch the wave in the right spot and and do what they need to on the wave and yeah it's with something as unpredictable as nature like that you can it just goes to show that you can really put yourself in tune with something like that and you can do it with your own body and your own mind ready for competition yeah that's right and uh you know like with with triathlons and stuff you know i train with uh, you know, Craig Alexander and, you know, I swim in his lane <laughs> at the back of the lane, mind you. <laughs> um, but again, you know, a, a, another guy that's just, you know, he's just got a great balance in life and, I mean, fantastic genetics and looks like he's floating when he runs. Uh, but the mindset, you know, incredible mindset, you know, when they're doing those long endurance athletes, you, you have to have it. It's, uh, it's impossible to achieve uh, success without it to maintain that focus and especially when you're doing it year after year after year um you know like that that two to three percent is the difference you know you see people lose by one one hundredth of a second and uh you know we would go to altitude two or three times a year before athens just because it might give you two to three percent uh you know harder training when you come back down to um sea level and, you know, we were doing things with uh, Milt Neems and Shane Gould with the squad and 
from the outside, it looked like it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't hard training, but it was like finding alignment and tone in the water and, and moving and trying to find yourself sitting in the energy bubble of the water, which is a really subtle skills, but so that the water actually is a cushion that holds you rather than having to push through it. And uh, it was it was fascinating. And, you know, those guys would watch someone swim and then see uh, bubble patterns in the lower back behind the neck and they could tell where they were dragging water or energy wasn't moving and things like that. So we did a lot of, a lot of training in those directions as well. Yeah, and you see a lot of um, a lot of top swimmers, top squads will do uh, a lot of slow swimming just to to get them thinking about what their body's doing, how they're pulling through, and that sort of thing. And and we do quite a bit of stroke count work, particularly as we lead into the pool competitions, as opposed to the open water stuff. And uh, doing a lot of stroke count stuff, it's it's slow, relaxed swimming, but it's really hard work. You know, it's trying to maintain the same stroke count and not let it bump up as you get fatigued is really hard work, even though you're going quite slow. And uh, it's training yourself to be able to hold that distance per stroke in the water as you fatigue that you know, that gets you the good results um, in the pool competition. So uh, even though things don't look hard necessarily, uh, they can be quite difficult. I mean, if you look at the fastest swimmers, uh, racing, it looks as though they're going easy if you're looking at them in a, a 200 or 400 meter event. But, uh, you know, it is hard work. Um, but the training that, that they're doing is, is, can be, you know, is a lot of slower swimming, but it's, they're thinking a lot rather than, uh, just pushing themselves physically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other part of it too is that, that we would do a lot is that core work, um, you know, core work, functional exercise, you know, being able to maintain a strong core through, yeah, long, slower sessions or through their uh, sprint sessions. Uh, again, that's going to support that alignment and tone through the water, which makes that the energy efficiency a lot better. Mm. Now, do you have a, uh, a morning ritual for yourself that you, that you do, like a yoga sort of routine that gets you in the right frame of mind and wakes your body up? I pretty much, you know, I've been doing it all my life. My, my yo, my, the physical stuff, I don't do um, a lot of. I just do tweaks. Uh, I kind of got my, my body balanced pretty well and what I – keep it sort of toned up for his surfing. I'm a mad surfer. So, you know, lunging and squatting and adding rotation into that. So I like to keep my spine mobile and my hips uh, open and, uh, you know, the thoracic and shoulders for paddling. Uh, I, I tend to do a lot more um, of the breathing exercises and meditation. I like to – the breathing for me just keeps the, the nervous system really finely tuned and – uh, with the mind, you know, I'm really busy. I'm doing a lot of work. I have a lot of projects, and it just it keeps me, you know, it keeps me focused. It keeps me uh, from distractions, and allows me to keep a sort of high energy right through the day. So, what sort of breathing exercises are they? Uh, I do a, a thing called Kapalabhati, <laughs> which focuses on your your lower uh, abdomen. And it's a sort of active exhale and a passive inhale. And what it does is it flushes carbon dioxide from the body and sort of shunts blood to the abdominal organs and up to the brain, which gives you an alertness. 
So, uh, and then I combine that with a, an active inhale and active exhale, which we call bustrika, and that kind of floods the body with oxygen. So it's your coffee without having a coffee. <laughs> so that's Give me my, some of that. It's <laughs> my morning coffee. And, uh, you know, that it's the same effect. You know, it, it, it wakes you up, uh, gets the energy flowing, uh, you know, you feel good in your body. And then I do, then I kind of circulate the, the breath up and down my spine. And, uh, and then I do a longer exhale just to chill out the nervous system. And then what we talk in yoga is like learning to get both nostrils open. Uh, most times you'll notice every 90 minutes one nostril is more dominant than the other. And uh, when you can get both nostrils to open up, your energy is flowing most freely and there's, there's techniques to do that. It just kind of centralizes your energy. Uh, so I do that and then that leads me into meditation and basically I focus my attention on, you know, stillness and I focus at my heart and, uh, you know, when any thoughts come up, I just don't pay attention to them. I, I, I let them go back to where they were and so it gets uh, more stiller and focused and quiet and, uh, you know, that's my, my practice there and, and certainly what we did with the swimmers a lot. I mean, one of the big, one of the beauties of uh, Tracy Menzies was she, you know, it's pretty much a, an uh, old boys club. And, you know, when she came in and she, you know, took over as Ian's coach, um, she approached quite different to how the guys would do. She, I mean, she definitely treated everyone as uh, individuals and nurtured them uh, through their, you know, particular personalities and, ways that were going to work best for them. She kept a log on, you know, their emotional uh, health as well as their physical health and their mental health. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, us as a team together really worked with people's individuals to get, uh, you know, the best out of them, you know, depending on their, mm, you know, capabilities and their, their, their kind of personality tendencies. Yeah, right. I think you have to do that, you know, because everyone else is an individual. You just can't make everyone fit into the same system. And a lot of the old school coaching, because um, I used to do it, you know, just throw everyone together, flog them as hard as you can. And then, you know, the ones that have got a nervous system that can, can survive it, uh, keep going and the other ones sort of fall off and don't swim anymore or go to another coach. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine that she would have got quite a bit of resistance implementing the yoga, breathing mindset, uh, you know, checking checking in with their emotions and that sort of thing. She would have got quite a bit of resistance trying to introduce that to an old boys type of club there. So, um, it, you know, and it obviously paid off with the results that she had with the with the swimmers there. And um, you know, it's and I think yoga in particular it integrates really well with swimming. First of all, because of the it is kind of like a meditation and, and swimming is the same, you know, you, you've got your face in the water for a couple of hours a day and you've just got you and your thoughts and, you know, yoga is um, very similar to that and, and yoga in the, the physical sense as well is it stretches out a lot of muscles where you're very tight in swimming. I, the last uh, yoga class I did was about six months ago, but um, boy, my, my hip flexors hadn't been stretched like that in years. It was just, it just opened me right up through my you know, thoracic spine, hip flexors, uh, glutes and all that sort of stuff. And it was just, it, it made a huge difference to how I felt one, two, three hours afterwards. Imagine if you did it every day, Brent. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every now and then I'll, I'll, 
I'll pull out some yoga moves for a couple of minutes just at home to, to loosen up if I feel like I'm getting tight. Um, but uh, it, it would be good to, to dedicate the time to uh, a couple of yoga lessons each week. I think it would uh, would be really good. But I'm the uh, I'm more more coaching now, so it's uh, trying to get my swimmers to do it rather than me. Right, right. <laughs> well, you can get a teacher in there and you can join in. That's what well, that's what we did. That's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that 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 sort of uh, approach when we we did it before Athens, yeah, that sort of old school coaching thought it was just bullshit. And uh, but you know, when we used to travel and we go to altitude, we used to go up to Arizona. And a lot of the swim, we would do our, our yoga practice, and a lot of the swimmers asked if they could join in, you know, from other coaches and other squads. That you know, they really were interested in in being part of it. And uh, I mean, even. With some of the swimmers and Ian, we, we took them off heavy weights and just did body weight stuff and they, was, they just couldn't believe it and uh, just felt like when they muscled up, they might have been bigger and stronger, you know, looking and out of the water, but it didn't translate into the water, you know, the ratio of sort of muscle to tone in the water. So, um, but in the end, yeah, I mean, Tracy got really good results uh she's still you know one of the, the uh, only coaches lasting down at the institute of sport so she's doing some good stuff yeah absolutely and i think you need you need to shake the bushes a bit to to get different get better results you can, if you just stick with the same thing over and over you're going to get the same results so you stick with what works but also try some new things don't be afraid to 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 do something different if you fail well you know that doesn't work but you just uh, just doing something different in training, I think um, you know it really opens up some new opportunities for um, for swimmers to progress, and it keeps it interesting for the swimmers as well. And but that you know that's how you make progress in the sport is to continually try and uh, try and mix things up a bit. Yeah, and I think you. Yeah, I think it's important, um, especially yeah, swimming is very repetitive up and down a black line and. Yeah, mixing it up makes a uh, you know a massive difference. You know, doing ocean swimming, doing ocean races, uh, trying different stuff, adding yoga into it, and you know, realizing that you need a, a really good balance between flexibility, stability, and strength in your body, and looking at different uh, you know vehicles or avenues to try and uh, you know balance that up, especially for the older swimmers. You know, if they want to keep performing and be injury free. Uh, it's super important, super important. Yeah, um, definitely. As we know, all know when we're getting older, uh, like a lot of my mates, you know, I've been doing yoga forever and I've been telling my mates, you know, surfers, um, triathletes, man, you've got to do yoga. If you want to keep doing this stuff as you're getting older, you, you've got to do it. And then, you know, like 10 years down the track, 15 years, they're all coming to me. Oh, I've got a sore back, got to get my hip replaced. You know, what do I need to do? What can I do? Um, so it, it, everyone comes looking at some time, so it's better to start before <laughs> your injury, before you got the injury, do it as prevention and keep your body balanced, keep your energy flowing and you'll, uh, enjoy the sport for a, a lot longer. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the amount of time that people spend, you know, most people spending cars, sitting at, uh, sitting down at a desk at the amount of, um, you know, pressure that that puts on your lower back and through your hips and, and glutes and all that sort of stuff. It just, you know, by the end of the day, if you're finding it hard to stand up straight because you're just so tight through your sort of middle part of your body, 
it's um, you need to loosen it up with something and and whether that's yoga, whether that's just stretching for a couple minutes a day, it's um, you know your body will thank you for it five ten years down the track. Yeah, and we, you know, I just see everyone has you know a set you know amazing potential for for who they are and what they're capable of and really if you look at it all yoga's doing is seeing that potential and removing the obstacles so you know if you've got a tight muscle it's an obstacle if you've got an immobilized joint it's an obstacle if you've got muscles that aren't working in the kinetic chain it's an obstacle so work to balance it up and then in your nervous system, if you don't have full access to your breathing muscle, it, it becomes an obstacle to performance. And, you know, if you're eating junk food and staying up till three at, three at night and, you know, they're just they're obstacles to your energy system and if you've got negative mindsets, um, it's the same. So I just try to see it work at all those levels, remove the obstacles so the potentials there can express itself, you know, can express itself at its, at its highest level. Now, what sort of sleep were the the swimmers in Tracy Menzies' squad getting? Were they starting their sessions a little bit later in the morning to allow them to get a bit of extra sleep? Like, how many hours a night do you think they were on? Oh, they were on. Um, they were probably in, tucked away in bed by eight thirty. <laughs> you're at the pool, ready in the water by five a.m. Yeah, so they were, they were still getting, well, that'd be like a good seven, eight hours sleep a night. Yeah, and probably doing, you know, five hours a day, um, two swim sessions, and then dry land uh, four days a week, I remember, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of, a lot of hammering in, on the body and... Obviously, you need that the rest to deal with those stresses, and you need to have good nutrition. And uh, you've got to have everything. I mean, they're on a you know those guys are on a on a knife edge all the time of like that high performance, and then just switching over to getting sick. You know, you see a lot of these guys that are getting colds and things. They're just such on an edge uh, of performance. And you know, when I you see it with the difference with the surface, it's uh, doing something creative all the time and it gives them an outlet to express themselves whereas swimming doesn't have that so you know, it has a whole sort of di- different different problems in, involved with it mm. yeah the, the reason I ask about the sleep is that I find it's something that most swimmers are lacking obviously because you're waking up so early to go to training but yeah. an extra hour or two a night makes a huge difference you know if, if you get four or five hours sleep a night and you're someone who should really be getting six, seven, or eight hours sleep a night. Then it just it not only impacts how you're training, but it impacts your uh, your mental function throughout the day, how you're thinking, how you're feeling. And you know, if you're not getting enough sleep each night, it just adds up. And by the weekend, if you're completely wrecked and you need to sleep for three or four hours on a Saturday or a Sunday, um, it it probably means you're not performing at your optimum level. So. Um, that's something that I see most swimmers lacking in is, is sleep. So if you can get yourself to bed an hour early or two hours earlier to get seven or eight hours sleep, it makes such a difference because it helps with your recovery if you're training hard. Uh, it means you usually eat less because you know, if, you're, if you're getting five, six hours of sleep, one thing that you do to keep your mind, uh, to try and keep yourself on track is just to, just to eat something. Uh, so it helps in a, a lot of different ways. 
Yeah, I ditto. I absolutely agree with you. And especially with the triathletes, you know, they they often have a sort of overtraining syndrome, which is a big part of not having enough sleep because, uh, you know, they're trying to fit in three sports, three activities, and then their family life and their work life. And, uh, you know, when you do that over time, something's got to give uh you know, but the big part is the regeneration of, of the system and, you know, having that sort of uh, anabolic phase where the body deals with the stress and rebuilds and sleep and nutrition uh, just so, so important. Um, I was doing triathlons, you know, big time in the 80s and it was just then it was like train as hard as you can for as long as you can and that was basically how it worked and, you know, I ended up getting chronic fatigue and I was in bed for two years pretty much, just wiped out, wiped my immune system and uh, it happens less these days because the training's a bit smarter but you certainly see it still quite a bit, that overtraining syndrome. Yeah, you see a lot of swimmers come down with uh, either chronic fatigue or... Um Oh, geez, the name is, names escape me now. Um, glandular fever, sorry. Uh, yeah. A lot of swimmers will get that when they're 16, 17, 18. And uh, I got it when I was uh, 18, actually. I got it at the end of year 12 after a big year of uni, uh, uni of school and training. And uh, after I'd finished, my mind had, I think, told my body, that's it, all right, you can, you can relax a bit. And, uh, you know, went away to schoolies for, for a week where I just got to sleep in, got to relax. Nutrition wasn't great, but uh, then after that, my body just, you know, shut down and I had chronic had, uh, glandular fever for a couple of weeks there. And uh, oh. it, that's just your body saying, look, you've got to uh, you've got to keep yourself in check a bit more and, and slow down and give yourself the right food and, and recovery. So it's, um, yeah, you know, it makes it's a big probably- difference. You probably had the odd little drink too, huh? Up at schoolies. <laughs> well, look, I, compared to most people, I was pretty good. Being a uh, uh, being a, a swimmer and not drinking that often anyway, because every Friday night is just leading into a Saturday morning training session rather than a you know two days to recover from a big night out on Friday. But um, yeah, look, it it uh, definitely didn't help. That's for sure. Yeah, well, they're the little things that you can't do. You know, you can't go home and have you know three beers. And things like that each each night. If you you know you're training for triathlons and you know you've got a lot of other demands, you just got to keep everything really you know balanced and fine tuned if you you want to keep performing. And all those little things just add up to uh, staying healthy and happy and performing well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know that's that's the fun of it. That's the game is is balancing all of those little things and getting the right amount of training and sleep and recovery in it's um you know that's that's what we're here for so mark thank you so much for joining me on the effortless swimming podcast where can people go to find out more about you and and what you do uh, my site is yogacoach.com most of my work is uh yoga education retreats and and uh i wear a few different hats but pretty much fold them all into uh into a uh, yoga type thing. Beautiful. So. And where do you normally run your yoga retreats? Um, I travel nine months of the year, so I'm based in Bali for six months. Uh, I run trainings there. I run retreats in Bali. Uh, got a sort of general public one in uh, August, 
and uh, Michael Fronte's resort in Solshine, beautiful place. And then I, I'm in Korea and Malaysia, then Europe and the States, and it's just uh, India. <laughs> I'm just moving around all the time. Fantastic. Well, uh, best of luck with everything. And again, thanks for joining me on the on the podcast. And uh, for the for the listener, go to yogacoach.com if you're interested in uh, anything to do with yoga and looking outside of the pool, outside of swimming, uh, for that extra edge of improvement. So, Mark, thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brenton. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.